Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I've got an awesome show for you today, but before we get started, I'd love to share some business wisdom with you. Did your mama teach you not to brag? Do you struggle conveying your value to the world? In today's video, I'm going to share with you how to talk about yourself without bragging. Check it out. We all know people that constantly talk about themselves and we all go a little bit whenever they do. Look at me, I'm amazing. Let me count the ways that I have been successful. One, two, three. I've won the National Pinecone Award. I'm gonna frame this. But let's be real. Marketing means you've got to learn to talk about yourself. So how can you do it without coming off as self-centered and braggadocious? There's a way, let me show you how. Tom Fishbourne said, the best marketing doesn't feel like marketing. Let me share a story with you. Michael Stelzner here from Social Media Examiner. Back when I started Social Media Examiner, I knew literally nothing about social media but I interviewed all the top marketers and I learned a lot. And I am joined today by Scott Monty, head of social media for Ford Motor Company. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mike. I took that knowledge that I learned and I made blog posts, YouTube videos, podcast episodes, all about the amazing wisdom that was inside their brain. First thousands and eventually millions of marketers began following. Eventually, those very marketers that I interviewed began to refer to me as one of the leaders of the industry. While I was reluctant to accept that title, it helped my business enormously. Ira Glass from This American Life says, great stories happen to those who can tell them. Your solution to not bragging is to tell a great story. Why? Because everyone loves stories. It draws them in. Seth Godin said, marketing is no longer about the stuff that you make, but about the stories that you tell. Let's talk about how to tell a good story. Step one, admit your imperfections. With my story, I said I knew absolutely nothing about social media when I started this company. For your story, what is the problem that you faced in the very beginning? Sew it into part of your story. Second, discuss what you did to overcome the problem. 
In my case, I interviewed all the top experts in the world. They taught me what I needed to know. Step three, what happened when you overcame it? In this part of your story, you need to talk about the outcome as you overcame the problem. I became the reluctant leader. Many people started listening to what I had to say. Along the way, you're planting little seeds and those little seeds contain some of your things that you have achieved, the things that others might think are bragging, the things that by themselves absolutely are bragging. For example, in my story, top marketers, millions of people, the reluctant leader, those were all sewn into the story, but they were done in a way that doesn't come across as bragging. Let's reverse engineer your story following these steps. Number one, what achievement do you want to convey? In my case, maybe it's 20 million downloads on my podcast. Number two, what story do you want to tell that led to that achievement? In my case, I was coached by Cliff Ravenscraft and it took me years to get here. And I was blessed by every single person along the way who listened. Number three, add some valuable lessons along the way. It was really hard for me to consistently record the podcast every single week, week after week. So I eventually hired a company to help me edit the podcast. That allowed me to do what I do best, which is to interview my guests. And then you sew all these things together into a story. Seven years ago, if you told me I'd be here, I would have laughed at you. It all started with my coach Cliff, dot, dot, dot. What's your story? Who needs to hear it? And the most important question is, what are you waiting for? All right, well, what do you think about that? By the way, you probably noticed I said the word video, and for the last couple of weeks, I've been playing these videos. If you wanna know where you can find them, you can go over to youtube.com slash social media examiner, and there's a little playlist, and in that playlist, you'll see my face, and there's all sorts of little videos that I have created. I just wanna bring this over to you because I feel like this is really good content that I think you'll find valuable. All right, now on to today's podcast episode. I'm going to be joined by Vanessa Lau, and we're gonna talk about Instagram strategy, and you are gonna love, love, love this podcast episode. By the way, wanna reach me? I'm at Stelsner on Instagram, or you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And one last thing, if you're new to this podcast, hit that subscribe button so you never miss a future episode. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Now onto my interview with Vanessa Lau. 
helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Vanessa Lau. If you don't know who Vanessa is, you need to know who she is. She is a community development expert who specializes in helping online coaches. Her course is the Boss Graham Academy. She has 200,000 subscribers on YouTube, and her podcast is the Turn Your Followers Into Clients podcast. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike, for having me. Super stoked to be here. I'm very excited to have you. Today, Vanessa and I are going to explore lots of interesting Instagram strategies that she's using that I think all of you could benefit from. Now, before we go there, I'd love to hear your story. How did you get into Instagram? Start wherever you want to start. Yeah, Mike. I mean, I started my business a year ago, but before that I was working in corporate and I had quit my job because I realized that the corporate path wasn't for me. And at the same time, I knew I didn't want to go back to corporate. So what I did was I ended up starting a YouTube channel for fun because it was now or never. I had a lot of spare time on my hands. And so I started my YouTube channel. And at the time, my videos were all about teaching people how to leave the nine to five in a millennials perspective. So at the time when I was creating videos, there were a lot of people that were talking about quitting the nine to five, but no one really talked about it in a millennials perspective. So I did that. I grew a very small following. And through those videos, I started to attract an audience that really wanted to learn more from me, asked me if I had coaching services. So that's where I started to really become a coach. And what I learned through that experience is that, Mike, you don't know how much you know until you meet someone who knows less than you. Mm. And so when I started working with these clients, I realized that I actually knew a lot about social media. I knew a lot about Instagram. And so that's where I really developed that confidence in what I knew about you know, leveraging social to help people build their brands online. And so I decided, okay, great. Let me launch this coaching business. This was a year ago in January. And at the same time, since I was also a YouTuber, I decided to create a video about Instagram. And so that's where I really kind of started to do videos um, around Instagram, things that I wasn't doing before at the time was really out of scope from the other videos that I was doing, which was all about quitting the nine to five. And so during that time, I had one video go viral, and that video was my five top hacks on how to grow organically on Instagram. And now that video has like 3.5 million views. Wow. And so, yeah, I know, right? And so thanks to that video, I went from being someone that only had a couple of couple hundred of people that were interested in quitting the nine to five to suddenly growing my email list to like 20,000 plus people who wanted Instagram advice. Thanks to that one video. And this is all in about a year, right? Yeah, this was a year ago. And that's when I realized I was onto something. And so I decided to pivot my niche in my business. I was no longer helping people quit the nine to five. And instead I wanted to help people build their social media platforms and help them get clients through those social media platforms because that was exactly what I did. And I really, really wanted to zone in on Instagram because I had so many people coming into my business wanting that help. And that's when I launched the Boss Graham Academy, which is a course that helps new coaches turn their followers into clients. And I launched that course in April of last year. So April of 2019. And since then, within a year, my business has grown to half a million dollars in its first year. Wow. Yeah. 
And also on top of just growing revenue, um, my social following also grew as well. So on YouTube, we now have 200,000 followers. On Instagram, we have 65,000. And then I have a Facebook group that also has 13,000 followers. So we're on a lot of platforms right now, but it's been such a wild ride. And it's only the first, like I'm only in my second year of business right now. So it's really exciting. What did you used to do before you left the nine to five? Were you in marketing? Yeah, I was in marketing. I went to school to learn marketing and I was a brand manager at a Fortune 500 company. It's a really big makeup company. If I said the name, everyone would know it. Mm. And I was a very young graduate that was managing multiple million dollar brands for this big company. And I learned a lot. I managed influencers. I managed marketing for it. I launched products. And it was really cool to be able to bring that expertise to the online space and to bring it to my YouTube channel and to bring it to my clients as well. Awesome. Well, and I would imagine Instagram was probably at the core of a lot of the work you were doing when you're working for the big brand. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Instagram, YouTube, so many different platforms that we touched. And also, even for me, I had a personal interest in growing my own social platforms. So for me, it was also like a nice side hobby to implement different strategies and see what worked and what didn't. And luckily for YouTube, sharing those strategies, which I thought were no brainers, it made me realize that I actually knew a lot ever since posting those strategies on YouTube and meeting other people who have gotten a lot of great results from my free content. Just as an aside, what do you want to say to people who think it's too late to get started with Instagram or YouTube for their marketing? Oh, man, you got to start now. I mean, it's now or never. I think that for me, it took me six years to finally feel confident in starting YouTube. And I remember six years ago, and even more longer than six years ago, I remember looking at these YouTubers that were just starting and still feeling like I wasn't quote unquote ready. And now a lot of those YouTubers and a lot of those Instagram folks that started six years ago, they're massive on YouTube. And I'm always kicking myself wishing that I started six years ago. So my biggest advice is that yesterday was probably the best time to start, but the second best time to start is today. And the sooner that you start, the sooner that you can build that audience and potentially monetize it in the future. Well, and you're living proof you've only been doing this for about a year, right? I mean, you've got experience from your other job, but you've been doing this for yourself for about a year and it's really blown, yeah. up, it really blown up for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's and not too I think late. With, yeah. And I think that with social media and everything, yes, being in corporate can help and, you know, learning marketing in school can help. But what I find with online marketing specifically, you need to do things in order to learn them. I personally think that the educational system now is very traditional and it's just not adapting fast enough to the ever-changing space that's online. And so even for me, I'm learning new things every day thanks to podcasts like yours, let's say. Awesome. All right. So since you have a lot of experience with Instagram, tell everybody what you think marketers are doing wrong with Instagram from your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there are three core things that marketers are doing wrong with Instagram. The first one is I feel like a lot of marketers are setting the wrong expectations for Instagram. And what I mean by this is that I always see a lot of people giving up on Instagram, hating on Instagram and not being really patient with Instagram because they feel like they're not growing fast enough on the platform. Mm. I feel like there's like a hate train on Instagram as of late. Right. 
And the reason why this is happening is because a lot of marketers, they're expecting their Instagram accounts to generate a lot of traffic for them. When the fact of the matter is, is that Instagram, in my humble opinion, isn't truly the best platform to get a lot of traffic. However, what I will say is that Instagram is a great place to generate quality leads. Okay, so we're talking about quality versus quantity. And the reason why I say this is because Instagram isn't as SEO optimized as platforms like YouTube or LinkedIn, right? On YouTube or LinkedIn, if you have a problem or you're looking for something, you can easily search how to grow on Instagram and YouTube videos will pop up. You can't do the same with Instagram, which is why it's harder to get that traffic. But the difference between Instagram and all these other platforms is that it's got so many tools that help you connect with your audience, such as voice noting, voice calls, sending GIFs, polls, doing lives, doing dual lives, IGTV. There's so many ways that you can create such intimate touch points with your audience. And so if more marketers were able to leverage these tools to their advantage, they would likely have hotter leads coming into their business because the people who end up do connecting with you on Instagram, they become a lot warmer and a lot more nurtured thanks to all the tools that you have at your disposal with this platform that other platforms may not have or may not have established yet. So that's the first thing that I feel marketers are getting wrong. And then the second thing that I feel a lot of marketers are getting wrong, especially in 2020 still, is posting content instead of actually connecting with their prospects and their people. And what I mean by this is there's a lot of marketers, myself included, yourself included, a lot of people are listening to this podcast that have all these fancy funnels. You know, they have a link in their bio that leads to a landing page and then it leads to a lead magnet and then it leads to a five day sequence. And you're taking your audience in this long journey before they can even find your final offer. And the intention there is great. You're trying to warm your audience up through that funnel, right? But a lot of marketers are actually leaving so much money on the table by directly talking to their one-on-one -on -one prospects through the DM, right? So instead of focusing on these funnels and waiting for these funnels to make magic happen for you, many marketers would actually be able to speed up that process, speed up that customer journey by simply just talking to their prospects in the DM. Because the DM is literally the perfect stomping ground to deliver the best customer experience for your prospects. And Mike, I really want like your audience to imagine this. Imagine if you're on a DM with someone and you're having a sales conversation pretty much. You're actually asking them the questions like, hey, tell me more about your business. What are you struggling most with? You know, wow, struggling with not getting clients really sucks. You know, did you know that I actually have a resource that might help you? By having that dialogue with your prospect and then sending them to where you want to send them, like your webinar, your landing page or wherever it is, that person has more likelihood to click on that link with an intention to buy, with an intention to take a certain action versus you just sitting there and waiting for them to click the link in your bio. So that's the second problem that I'm seeing a lot of marketers doing is that instead of just talking to your prospects directly, they're just focusing on posting content every single day and neglecting all the DMs that they're getting in their inbox that could potentially be people that you just need to warm up a little bit more so that they can enter your funnel with full, full expectation that they're going to probably buy from you. Real quick question on this, Vanessa. Yeah. Is this mostly just people like responding to your stories? Or are you talking like intentionally doing things in your stories to get those conversations started in the DM? Yeah, there's so many ways to get those conversations started. It includes 
stories for sure. Like, for example, something that I see a lot of people doing, something that we teach our own students in the Bosgram Academy is in your stories, you could easily put a poll up and say, hey, who's struggling with getting clients right now? Or who's struggling with this particular problem? Or, hey, do you want to learn how to get clients on Instagram? That's an example. Yes or no. And then for all those people that said yes, that tapped yes on the poll, because you can see who said yes on Instagram, that's basically an invitation for you to enter their DMs and say, hey, Mike, I noticed that you voted on my poll and you said that you're struggling with getting clients. Can you tell me more about that? Love it. Yeah. And then instead of just sending them to a link directly, actually having that one-on-one conversation first, understand why this person may not be getting clients, understand what they're doing right now that isn't working. So now you have all the information that you need to pitch your offer or to send them to your webinar. So when they do end up going to your webinar, let's say if that's your main lead magnet, they have way more likelihood to convert than someone who just goes in cold. Perfect. Did you have a third thing that you were going to mention about? What yes. You're... Yes. I do have a third thing. Um, <laughs> I have so much to talk about when it comes to just growing on Instagram because it frustrates me so much when I see people giving up on the platform and hating on it when in fact they just need to adjust their strategies in order to actually make Instagram work for them. And so the third thing, and this is the last thing that I feel a lot of marketers are getting wrong, is that they're focusing on likes instead of shareability. And this is so true, especially going into 2020. Instagram has already gone to a place where they've removed likes. Now I'm from Canada, so I've actually gotten my likes removed for a while. Same thing here in the States, we don't have them now either. Oh, really? Okay. So I know that like some people in the States didn't have it, but I guess it's like nationwide now. So with Instagram removing likes, I think it's a really great opportunity for marketers to focus on an entirely different KPI. Now, I think that likes and comments is obviously a really great way to gauge whether people enjoy your content or not. But I personally, in my business, we focus a lot on shareability. And what I mean by shareability is creating content that allows people or that gives people more incentive to actually share it on their own stories. Because when someone sees a post that you do on your Instagram and they like it so much to the point where they're willing to share that on their stories, because now you can tap that arrow button below a post and share it directly to your stories, that's going to get way more eyeballs on your content. Because now that follower, their followers now see your content. They're now able to click on that post, which will increase the amount of profile visits that you get on your account. And that way you're getting way more traffic than just always focusing on likes, right? Mm. And another thing that I have to say about this is really think about it. When someone is liking or commenting, they're basically scrolling through the feed and mindlessly liking and commenting, and then they move on with their lives, right? But when someone is actually going the extra step and sharing that piece of content that you're doing or even saving that piece of content, because now you can save posts to your collections, that's going to increase the longevity that you have with that content piece. That content piece is now just not only living on that person's feed, but it's now living on that person's 24 hour story and potentially living on their collections that they can refer back to. Awesome. And I think we're going to get back on the shares and save stuff because I got a million questions on that. Should I ask them now or do you want me to ask them later? (laughs) Yeah, sure. I mean, I could go over my Instagram strategy because a really good bulk of my Instagram strategy does include um, how to create shareable content and what shareable content really means. Let me ask one quick question because this is something I'm not familiar with. When someone shares your feed post to their story, what happens to the text? 
So that's a really great question because that's a part of the strategy that I teach. Ah, okay. Is that, yeah, is that I find that the era of long Instagram captions is dead. Mm. Okay, really think about your own uh, behaviors when you're going through Instagram is do you really spend time reading a long caption that someone wrote? Yes, but maybe no. A lot of people actually don't. I know that I don't. And so that's why um, in my business, we love to use uh, imagery. We love to use graphics. We love to use carousel posts to make sure that if someone is sharing that piece of content, that on their stories, the text is there too, because it's a part of the image. Love it. All right, cool. Well, let's get to your strategy because I know there's a million parts to it and I'm very fascinated with everything you've said so far. So, so what is your strategy? Where do you want to start? Yeah. So, well, first things first, I kind of want to preface this by explaining to your listeners what I ultimately use Instagram for. So for me, I basically use Instagram as the ultimate hub to nurture my audience before they enter my funnel. And I also use it to create my own brand promoters. And what I mean by brand promoters is basically brand ambassadors. I create content and I have a sole intention of creating things so that other people will share it. So that instead of me, you know, constantly doing community engagement, because a lot of people really, really vouch for community engagement. And I do that too. But instead of spending all that time trying to get new people, I get my own followers to share my stuff to their audiences. So in a way, they're my business's biggest brand promoter. So that's how I strategically use Instagram. So, okay, so I just wanted to preface Yeah, that. just to clarify, are you specifically driving people from YouTube over to Instagram when you say use it as a hub? Are we going to get into that a little bit? What does that mean exactly? You're like reading my mind. Um, yeah, so we're going to get into that. <laughs> okay, cool. Good. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's start with the first step of what I do, okay? All right. So the first step is I send traffic to Instagram, okay? And so for me, my philosophy, and this is the same philosophy that I share with my students and my own audience over on my Instagram and my YouTube channel, is that I personally believe that it takes a platform to grow a platform. Now, if you're listening to, to this and you're someone who's brand spanking new, definitely zone in and master one platform first. But once you've really gotten the hang of having one social media platform, really consider diversifying your platform so that you can really grow all the platforms at once. And that's why I've been able to grow not only my YouTube, but also my Instagram and my Facebook because I diversify my platforms. Now for me, as someone who's on multiple platforms, um, a lot of my traffic comes from YouTube, but what I do is I make sure that I send this traffic to my Instagram and this could be from your YouTube. This could be from your blog post. This could be from your LinkedIn, any other platform that has better SEO capabilities than Instagram. Okay. So let me give you a concrete example of what I do on my YouTube channel, especially for some of your listeners who might have a YouTube channel like me. So what I like to do is on my YouTube channel, an example is, is that sometimes if I have a video idea, let's say my video today is about how to get 10,000 followers on Instagram, right? On my YouTube video, I'll actually screenshot a question that my audience member asked. So let's say it's a DM conversation of someone messaging me in the DM asking, Hey, Vanessa, how do I get 10 K followers? Okay, great. I'll screenshot that. And then I'll show it in my YouTube video. So that my audience or my subscribers who are watching my YouTube videos can see, oh, wow, Vanessa's actually listening to her audience and Vanessa's actually creating YouTube videos based on DMs that we send her. Okay, maybe I should follow Vanessa on Instagram 
and connect with her because I want to make sure that she gets my questions and that she maybe will feature it in a YouTube video. So that's one way that I incentivize people to come over to my Instagram because now they know, oh, if I DM this girl, she actually might feature me on her YouTube channel and she actually might answer my question in a 10 minute YouTube video. So wait, so that's one example. Real yeah. quick. So does that mean just the fact that you're making a video showcasing a screenshot with your Instagram profile in it naturally leads people to follow you and message you on Instagram? Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, but not just my profile. So let's kind of break this down. Imagine, Mike, if you are my follower okay. and you DM me and you say, hey, Vanessa, I'm really struggling with getting the swipe up feature. How do I do that? I'll message you and I'll say, hey, Mike, that's an excellent question. Let me address that in my video next week on YouTube. Okay. So then on my YouTube video, I'll actually tell my audience, Hey everyone, I got a really great question from one of my followers here on Instagram. His name is Mike. And he asked me how to get 10 K followers or how to get the swipe up feature. Okay. So that's sending a message to my subscribers on YouTube that, Oh my gosh, Vanessa actually takes our opinions, our suggestions into consideration when she creates YouTube videos. That's awesome. Let me actually follow Vanessa because I want her to answer my question in her YouTube channel. So are you just putting a, yeah, are you just putting a link in the YouTube description, I guess, is where I'm like, you know, for somebody who or are they just pausing the video and looking at what you're or is it just subliminal? Like, hey, I'm on Instagram because the screen I, I'm just thinking about the mechanics of how you're getting people from that mm -hmm. video over to Instagram. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. So for me, yes, I have a link in my description, but also for every YouTube video that I do when I start, there's always a watermark with my Instagram handle. Ah, got it. Okay. Yeah. I've seen others do that where it's like in the upper left or something like that. And it just shows a little Instagram logo and then your, your ID, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of how I send traffic to Instagram from YouTube. And then another example too that I do is I like to like show screen recordings of some of the stories that I've done. So let's say I'm doing a YouTube video and I'm saying, Hey everyone, like I moved into a new office recently, you know, in that same video, I'll throw up like maybe a story that I did of me showing my office Perfect. so that people that's watching on YouTube can kind of see, Oh wow. If I actually follow her on Instagram, I'll see way more about the behind the scenes of her office or see more behind the scenes of how she films videos. And then in my video, I'll actually say, eh, by the way, follow me over on Instagram. If you want the behind the scenes look of what my office looks like, or if you want the behind the scenes look of how I film this video. Perfect. And so that also gives my YouTube subscribers more incentive to follow me on Instagram because they're getting basically backstage access to how my videos come to life. You could do the exact same thing on LinkedIn or Facebook with videos as well, I would imagine if you chose to, right? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. The idea here is just to understand that Instagram isn't the best when it comes to getting traffic natively on the platform. But the key is, is to make sure that you're piggybacking off other platforms that have really great SEO capabilities and at any point, always just mention that you have an Instagram and what your audience might get extra if they follow you on Instagram. Maybe that's like what I do, which is, Hey, if you follow me on Instagram and you DM me some questions, it might end up in the next video or, Hey, you know, follow me on Instagram to check out my stories and see how this final product came to life. So let's say you are a graphic designer or you are a web designer and you post the final product of your client's work on LinkedIn. You could easily say, P.S., check out my Instagram to see the entire behind the scenes of how I created this website. Perfect. Anything else on the hub strategy? 
Yeah, no. So this is, that, that's just step one. Oh, wow. Let's, let's hear step <laughs> okay. two. Yeah. So step two is once I send that traffic over to my Instagram, that's when I really start involving my audience because they came to my Instagram for a reason, right? They came not just to sit there. They came to really be involved in my business and to be involved in me and to get to know me better. And so this is what I do is I really love to involve my audience in my business decisions. Right. And so that's what differentiates Instagram versus my other platforms like YouTube or Facebook or LinkedIn or Pinterest is that once you enter my Instagram, you can DM me or you can check out my stories and I will actually listen to what you have to say when it comes to maybe content ideas that I might do in the future. Or sometimes I'll even post an Instagram story and say, hey, guys, like I'm redesigning my website. What colors do you like best? Do you like pink? Or do you like purple? Vote now. And so by doing that, it really allows a lot of loyalty coming from my audience because they genuinely feel like they're living vicariously through me and that they're a stakeholder in my business. And that's why I really love Instagram personally, because there's no other platform that allows you to get that deep of a connection with your audience. So that's the first thing that I do is I really like to involve them in my business decisions. The second thing that I like to do to leverage that audience on Instagram even more is to do market research, right? And so I kind of briefly touched on polls and all that, but Instagram is just such an amazing platform. They're always adding new features, especially in stories. There's the quiz feature, the poll feature, the questions feature, the chat feature. These are really great ways for you to ask your audience, hey, what do you want to see more in my business? Hey, what's your biggest struggle when it comes to getting clients, all that stuff. And so what I end up doing is I take an inventory of their responses that come through the DMS that come through the questions that come through the polls. And not only do I leverage that for future content pieces that I do, but I also keep an inventory of that. And every time I do my webinars or my sales pages or anything like that, I literally refer back to the exact language that my audience is using with me on Instagram to create my marketing materials. And that's why when someone goes on my sales page or they go through my webinar or they go through whatever marketing material I have, they're like, oh my gosh, Vanessa, like you're reading my mind. How did you know that I was going through these problems? The answer is simple. You told me on Instagram. That's awesome. Yeah, right? And then the third thing too, uh, when it comes to involving my audience, is I always just love to show appreciation. I love to shout them out. So when I see someone that's following me and they have really great content, I just take a moment to shout them out on my stories. And it makes my audience feel seen, especially if you're someone who maybe has a bigger audience in other platforms. To them, it's like, oh my gosh, you're spending time shouting out my content piece when you are someone that has 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, it's like such a nice little touch point and it only takes, you know, five seconds of your day. And so those are the three main things that I love to do in order to make sure that my audience feels included in my business and it makes them feel like I'm human and it makes them feel like they're truly a stakeholder in what I'm doing and what I'm creating in my biz. When you do the shout outs, are you just using the, uh, I forget what they call that thing, the little button thing where you put their user identity in there. I mean, their user profile link in there and it turns into a button or are you actually sharing their content into your stories? I share their content. Uh I share their content. And what I've noticed too is that 
a lot of people, uh, it's like the law of reciprocity. Like you do something good for me, I'll do something good for you. And so the more that I share my audience's stuff, I don't even have to be following them. Sometimes I'll even take a moment to say, hey, who's following me on Instagram recently? Check out their profile. If I like what I see, I'll just share it. And what I ended up noticing is that when I share content, they'll actually share the fact that I shared their content on their Instagram story, which is a win-win for both of us. Very cool. Awesome. So, so far we've talked about sending traffic uh, to Instagram as the hub, getting your audience involved, doing market research, uh, showing appreciation. Is there anything else that's part of your strategy? Yes. Cool. What's (laughs) next? There is. Bring it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, I talked a lot I just recently talked about how I shout them out. So let's talk about how I get other people to shout me out without me shouting them out. Mm. So the third step that I take after I send traffic to my Instagram and involve my audience is the third step is I love to create shareable content to increase the propensity of them shouting me out. So what I mean by this is, again, like I said earlier on, is creating content that makes people want to share it on their stories willingly and share it to their audience. Because the moment that they share it on their stories, their audience then gets access to my content. They'll click on my profile and then that will increase my profile visits. That will increase the likelihood of someone connecting with me, right, without me really doing much. And so after I really get to know my audience through the market research, through involving them in my business decisions, through really talking to them in my DM, I'll use that information to create free content, right? Here's my pro tip. My pro tip is that Instagram to me is my favorite place to put repurposed content on, okay? And the reason for this is that out of all the platforms, I find that Instagram is the most versatile. And what I mean by this is that name another platform where you can show video, where you can show photos, you could show written form, you can share audio notes, you can go on video chat. Like Instagram is the ultimate hub to do repurpose content. And so what I do is I love to create rich content pieces on YouTube, Facebook Live, and blog. And so what I mean by rich content piece is these are really long form pieces of content, just like this podcast episode, let's say, or the blog posts that you see in Social Media Examiner. These are content pieces that are really heavy, really dense, and really value-packed, right? So I use a lot of the market research that I collected through Instagram to create these content pieces on my other platforms like YouTube, Facebook Live, blog, or even my Facebook group, okay? So that's step one. And then afterwards, I'll actually look at those other platforms and see which ones perform the best. So let's say, Mike, that this podcast episode ends up getting the most listens out in a while out of all your other episodes. That's a signal to you that, hey, people are enjoying this content, right? In my case, I look at how many views I'm getting on my YouTube videos, which posts in my Facebook group got the most likes, got the most comments, got the most engagement. And once I've pinpointed which content pieces perform best, the next step that I take is I end up breaking up that content into micro pieces of content, okay? So let me give you a couple of examples so that your listeners can really get, you know, a good idea of what this looks like. So let's say I do a Facebook Live on my Facebook, right? What I'll do afterwards, maybe a month later, is I'll look at which Facebook Live performed the best, and then I'll take that Facebook Live, send it to a video editor, I will edit that Facebook Live, I'll add transcriptions to it, I'll maybe add a title on top of that video, 
and then I'll turn it into an IGTV. Oh, that's cool. I don't have to create a new IGTV. I'm just repurposing an old piece of content that performed really well, making it a little bit more optimized for Instagram and then posting it directly on Instagram. Just out of curiosity, are you cropping those or are you just keeping them in the standard 16 by nine format? Or do you go live vertically when you're on Facebook? Yeah, so I go live horizontally on Facebook, but what I do is I send it to my video editor so that we have like borders on, like we have like white space on the top and white space on the bottom. And that's where we'll actually put maybe a headline on the top. Then in the middle in the center is my video. And then right underneath my video, it's my uh, transcription. So it's my captions. Uh, So if people are are at work or something, they can still read what I'm saying. And that's been, you know, performing really well for us. A lot of people end up saving and sharing that type of content on my Instagram. And another way that we also break up rich pieces of content and turn it into small shareable pieces of content is here's another example of being on YouTube, right? So I do a lot of videos on YouTube. And it's a lot of content that's in one video. And so let's say on my YouTube video, I gave five tips, okay? Five tips in a YouTube video. What I'll do if that video performs well and a lot of people on YouTube like it is I'll actually take, uh, I'll take the five tips and maybe I'll turn it into a graphic with text and I'll turn it into a five slide carousel. So what a carousel is on Instagram is it's not just one image that you see. If you actually keep swiping, there's multiple images. So imagine if, you know, image one is me saying, oh, five tips on how to grow on YouTube. You, sw- you swipe. Then the next image is tip number one, blah, swipe tip number two, blah. And so that really allows people to read that content in a more uh, visually appealing way versus reading a really long caption. And the best part is, is that I don't have to double my work to think about a new content piece. And instead I'm taking proven content pieces that performed on other platforms and just optimizing it a little bit more to put it on Instagram so that people can share it and enjoy it. Can I ask you a quick question? I might've lost track of this, but back a little while ago, you said, hey, third big tip is to get people to shout you out on Instagram. And I know right now we're talking about repurposing content from other platforms, but I might've missed the kind of, is this the stuff that they're shouting out because the content is so valuable or did I miss something there? Yeah, that's a really great question. So the idea here is that we are creating content pieces that are visually appealing. So let's say with the example that I just gave of breaking up my tips in a YouTube video and turning that into a carousel post, what a lot of people are doing right now is maybe they'll put all of that in a caption, right? Maybe they'll say, hey, here are the top five tips of growing on YouTube and they'll put all that information in a caption. And then maybe what they'll do is they'll post a picture of themselves. The problem is, is that people don't really like to share content that is a photo of you. Like if I'm posting a photo of myself and then the caption has all the value, if they're clicking share and they're sharing that on their stories, they're essentially just sharing a photo of me. And that's not appealing at all. Their audience is like, who the heck is this girl? Why are you sharing that on your story, right? But instead, what I'm doing is instead of putting all of that value in the captions, I'm turning them into graphics. Love it. I'm turning them into something that is going to give more incentive for someone to actually share it on their stories. So, you know, if you go on Instagram, you'll see a lot of people sharing quotes on their stories or sharing infographics on their stories. And the reason why they do that is because they're comfortable sharing that. 
No one wants to share a photo of you sitting on a park bench on your laptop. Even if you delivered a lot of value in the caption, they want to share a visual piece of content that immediately when their followers are looking at their stories, they can already get a lot of value from it. Next question. I have someone else on our team that manages our Instagram account. So I'm going to ask this question out of ignorance, but the the statistics, the analytics, does it show you the shares and kind of if those shares led to followers or anything, you know how YouTube does a lot of that, right? Like they'll show you like this video was shown in suggested videos and all that other kind of stuff. And, uh, and you've gained this many subscribers from this video. Does, does Instagram provide any of those kind of metrics as, as far as like shares and stuff? Yeah. So when you actually look at your post and you go on view insights and then you swipe up or you don't even just swipe up, you can see how many people saved your post and shared it. Hmm. So that also allows you to kind of optimize your strategies a little bit more. So for me, I actually didn't start doing this until I started looking at my analytics and realizing, okay, so this post where I shared maybe an infographic, maybe it didn't get a lot of likes, but holy smokes, it got a lot of shares. Got and it. I rather have shares than likes because that's going to help me get more traffic to my business. Now, your question is, if we can actually see if those shares turn to follows, I don't believe Instagram has the robust analytics that YouTube does. So I don't think you can see that, but you can see which posts got the most shares and how many shares and saves that it got. Got it. So what I'm hearing you say is, hey, experiment with some of this stuff and then look at the analytics. And your hypothesis is that shares and saves are a very important metric that we ought to be following, right? Because that's going to help us grow our channel. And if we're not looking at that, then we might be creating content that nobody is sharing and saving right? Exactly. Perfect. So now you can go back to your regularly wherever you were. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the idea here is that that's my Instagram strategy of how I've been able to really grow my platform. Number one is remembering that it takes a platform to grow a platform and using the, the traffic that I get from other platforms that have better SEO capabilities and driving that traffic to my Instagram account, really involving my audience the moment that they hit my Instagram, really differentiating that platform from my other platforms by having that human element to it and having that, hey, I'm listening to you element in my Instagram. And then finally, creating those shareable content pieces that really allow someone to want to promote my work and want to promote my account to their followers, which allows me to get way more profile visits and allows me to get way more traffic and really optimize Instagram in that way. And a really great thing too, is that the result of this is not just getting more profile visits from people because you're creating that shareable content. But the second result is that it actually increases the chances of other people who found your content through someone else to DM you. And this leads back to actually having those one-on-one conversations to warm up your audience even more. Or even if you see someone sharing your content, you could easily, you know, DM them because that's kind of an invitation for you to enter their DMs and say, hey, Mike, I noticed that you shared, you know, this post that I did. What did you like about it? Oh, great. You lo- I'm so glad that you liked my content piece. You know, I noticed that you actually have a social media marketing business. Tell me more about that business. I want to know more. Okay, great. That's an awesome business that you have. What are your current struggles when it comes to growing that business? And then that opens up way more dialogue with your audience so that you can warm them up even more before they even enter your funnel. Or even you can send them directly to your funnel right after you've warmed them up a little bit through the DMs. Last question, I think. Facebook. 
obviously owned by Instagram. With the click of a button, you can have your stories go to the Facebook stories. You can have your posts go to the Facebook profile slash page. Do you advocate for that or against that? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think Facebook is great. I love Instagram a little more just because when I look at my Facebook, I feel like I have way more views, traction on Instagram. And I just feel like Instagram is a little bit more intuitive of a platform to use. But I do love resharing things on Facebook anyways, because even though I get way more traction on Instagram, I notice that those stories actually turn into inbox requests. So people will actually reply to those stories and that automatically puts them into my Facebook inbox, which can also follow the same principle that I shared of you warming up your audience a little bit more through Facebook. So I don't think that there's any harm in repurposing content and sharing it on Facebook at the same time, because why not? Well, the reason I was asking is you could use Facebook strategically in the same way you might LinkedIn and try to get people over to Instagram, right? So, or you could just publish everything on both platforms, right? And that's kind of where I was going, right? I mean, like like if you, let's say someone like us who has almost 600,000 fans on our Facebook page, but we don't have as big of a following on our Instagram account, should we be using your strategy on our Facebook page to get everybody over to Instagram or should we just be cross publishing? Oh yeah, absolutely. You can do that totally. So with Facebook, we use Facebook a little bit differently. So with Facebook, that is basically my private community hub. So we really leverage Facebook groups. Um, But if you have a really solid Facebook page, what I like to do is I like to go on live on Facebook, but I'll tell people to go to my Instagram to ask me any follow-up questions that they have after watching the live or you know, message me on Instagram if they have a suggestion of what I should post on my Facebook. So I'm still really giving a nod to my Instagram account while I'm posting things on Facebook. So I'm giving people on Facebook, because you mentioned that your Facebook account has way more followers, an incentive to go to my Instagram. Love it. All right. First of all, where do we find you on Instagram? Yeah. So on Instagram, you can find me at vanessalau.co. So it's Vanessa L-A-U. And then if we want to find you on YouTube and everywhere else, where do you want to send everybody and also tell them the name of your podcast again? Yeah. So my podcast name is Turn Your Followers Into Clients. It's going to be an awesome hub for people to understand how to leverage social media a little bit better to really get clients on Instagram, on YouTube, whatever platform it is. And then if you want more step-by-step visual-based tutorial content, you can visit me on YouTube. My handle is Vanessa Lau. If you do a quick search, I'll be the first one that you see. Awesome. Vanessa, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your entire strategy with us. I know that a lot of people are super stoked and they're going to give this a shot, probably even us at Social Media Examiner. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so, so much for having me, Mike. Hey, I hope you found a lot of value in today's podcast episode. All the notes were taken for you. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 397. By the way, hit that subscribe button if you're new to this podcast. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. See you next week. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.